Good morning, Westridge. Good to see you today. Good to be here with you as we continue our Ancient Wisdom series. Today we're going to be looking at a, the life of a familiar biblical character, which is Moses. As we begin, though, I don't know if the name Hero Anoda, uh, you've heard that name or not, but I thought it would work with this story today because he was a Japanese soldier sent to Lubang Island in the Philippines during World War II. Here was his mission, hamper enemy attacks on the island. His order stated under no circumstances was he to surrender or to take his own life. So he landed on the island in December of 1944, but when the United States and Philippine forces returned to the island in February 45, his commanding officers refused to let him carry out his duty. So Inoda, along with three other soldiers, took to the hills and refused to surrender to the troops that were coming against him. So this began a long holdout for Inoda and his men, who launched guerrilla activities against the United States and other police forces on the island. In October 45, they found a leaflet announcing that Jap Japan had surrendered the war. However, they did not believe the information and refused to surrender. Other leaflets were found, but after discussion and study, they determined this information also was just allied propaganda. They refused to lay down their arms. So one of the men walked away from the others in 1949 and surrendered to Filipino troops. Another was killed by a search team looking for men and for the men in 1954, and a third of the remaining team members was killed in another shootout with police in 1972. Now, finally, in 1974, Anoda met Norio Suzuki, a Japanese man who was on the search. He was traveling around the world looking for three things: Lieutenant Anoda, a panda, and the abominable snowman, in that order. Okay? So he asked Anoda, why have you not surrendered? And Anoda told him he was waiting on, the, on orders from a superior officer to do so. So Anoda returned to Japan, talked to the government. The government found his commanding order, a commanding officer who sent a dispatch to Anoda telling him it was time to lay down his arms. On March 11, 1974, almost 30 years after World War II, Anoda turned over a sword to, President Phil, to, to Philippine President Ferdinand Marcos. Now, I, I read his story, and I wondered, what things did he miss out on as he wasted his life on an island, hiding out from forces who simply wanted to bring him in so he could return home? What did he miss out on? By refusing to surrender. And so the ancient wisdom we're going to look at today comes from the fourth chapter of the book of Exodus in Moses' life, early on in Moses' life. And here's the idea I want us to process this story through. When God calls us to action, there's really only one response that makes sense, and that is surrender. In the chapter before this passage, Moses had encountered God in the burning bush. And God had told Moses what he wanted him to do. He said, I want you to go back. I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. The call was very clear. Uh, Moses didn't ask to have to ask God to clarify it all. God told him what the job entailed. But I'll be honest, I understand Moses. Because I see myself in Moses at times too. Because you see, when, when Moses saw what God wanted him to do, and instead of surrendering, Moses decided to make excuses as to why he could not do what God wanted him to do. Now, what does surrender look like? Well, it looks like this. It looks like uh, Lieutenant Anoda laying his sword down to the president of the Philippines. It's being open to God saying, whatever you want, I'm yours. 
And it's laying down what we would normally hold on to because we know that we can't run through life holding on to the things from our past if we really want to move forward into the future. Now, trying to do that would, would be like this. Now, 10 pounds is not that much, okay? Right? However, if you pack this around with you all the time, before you know it, one, one arm would be longer than the other, right? And, and this would start to weigh on a person after a while. And that's why Jesus tells us to throw off the encumbrances if we really want to run the race well. Well, and God understood that about Moses. And that's why he said, hey, you've got to let go. You've got to surrender. Now, Moses used three classic excuses as to why that was not a possibility for him. Okay? First excuse. Moses said, yeah, I, I just don't think I can do this. I'm, I'm not the kind of person you think I am. So we need to surrender our lack of confidence if we want to move forward. See, God told Moses what he wanted him to do. Moses' first response shows that he didn't lack, he, he lacked some confidence in himself. It's one of those, who do you think I am, Father, to do what you are calling me to do? I'm not that person. Moses said this, what if they don't believe me? Or what if they say that you did not appear to me in that burning bush? And I love the Father's response. God said, what's that in your hand, Moses? What are you holding on to? Now, Moses was a shepherd. So Moses had a staff. He took this with him everywhere he went, fought off enemies to his sheep, used it to count his sheep as they went by, used it to guide his sheep. What a shepherd does. What's that in your hand, Moses? I can remember. Sometimes we feel like we are not the people God thinks we are. I remember a call I received from a funeral home at one point in time. The request was a little bit out of the ordinary. They, they asked me, would you do a Jewish funeral? Now, a little outside my range of experience, I'll be honest. And, and I found out, though, there was no rabbi available to do the, uh, the services, so uh, I said, yeah, I'll do a Jewish funeral. So I read up what a Jewish funeral looked like, and I did it according to what they would do as, as a Jewish person. You see, I realized even though I didn't know the procedure, within my ability was the ability to talk about comfort, talk about hope, talk about God. So I did it. Moses said, who am I to think anyone would listen to me? God said, let me show you what I can do. So God gave him three signs. First of all, he said, I want you to know I'm with you. So he said, throw your staff down. So he threw his staff down on the ground. The staff became a snake. As many people, Moses was afraid of snakes, so he ran away from the snake. God said, grab the snake by the tail. Moses did what God, he grabbed the snake by the tail, it became his staff again. God said, put your hand inside your cloak. He put his hand inside his cloak, he pulled it out, and it was filled with leprosy. Moses said, uh-huh. put it back in your hand. Put it back in his cloak, pulled it out, and it was perfectly whole again. God said, if they don't believe those first two signs, they may believe the third sign. He said, pull some, pull a, take a bucket, pull water out of the Nile River, pour it out on the ground, it will become blood. Basically, God knew what Moses needed. He needed assurance and confidence that God was going to go with them. Now, have you ever felt, who am I to think God could use somebody like me? 
A couple of years ago, I was working out with a friend of mine. I'd seen he and his wife work with families who had children with uh, developmentally disabilities. Ignite has a video training program we use for people who might want to start churches geared towards specific people groups. And so we were working out together, and I said, hey, Scott, I think you and Kathy should lead a church for families who have children with, who are developmentally disabled. He looked at me and said, no way. I can't do that. I am not a church planner. I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> I have my crazy moments. I'll, I'll be honest. I have my crazy. But I ticked off several reasons and things on my fingers as why I thought he could do something like this. And I just let it go and said, hey, why don't you pray about it? He said, okay. So about three months later, we're out at the gym again. And then right in the middle of a couple of sets, all of a sudden he looks at me and says, all right, all right. I looked at him and said, all right, what? He said, all right, I'll do it. I said, you'll do what? Okay, can I call me by surprise? I'm not, I'm not always sharp like I should be. I'll do it. I said, ah, you'll do it, huh? He said, I'll do it. So he's now in our tra- video training program. I don't know what God's going to do with it. But sometimes it takes somebody pointing something out to someone so they can have a little more confidence and ability. You see, God knows us and sees us and he can see our potential a whole lot better than we can at times. We can be blind to it. And when it comes to getting rid of that excuse of saying, I don't think I could do something like that. Instead, we need to change that by saying, Father, I'll tell you what. You tell me you want me to do something like that? Let me step up. See what I can do. Well, God told Moses, I'm with you. Now, that didn't stop the excuses, okay? Because it went to the second excuse. We need to surrender our lack of talent. So here's the second response that uh, the, the call to step out. We begin to look at what we can do or what we think we can't do, and we begin to compare ourselves to other people. Moses said, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor in, since you spoke to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Now, Moses was raised in Pharaoh's household. And he would have received every bit of training that people in Pharaoh's household would have received. And people were supposed to become future leaders. So he would have been taught how to talk in public. And maybe he was not a good public speaker. Maybe he couldn't think on his feet. Maybe he couldn't remember the notes that he'd had. Maybe when they blew off the stage like that, he said, oh no, I'm lost. I kept the important part up here, by the way. Okay, okay. Now, I'll tell you what, when, when it comes to putting our abilities or giftedness or anything we, we have into practice, there's always going to be somebody who can do it better. There's always going to be somebody who can do it differently. There's always somebody we can look at and say, I can't do what they can do. Here's the reality, though. We're not called to be somebody else. You know what we're called to be? I need to be the best Lance Hurley I could be, period. Because it was all said and done, that's the only person I'm competing with. Me, nobody else. Now, look at this puzzle here. Okay, so Star Wars, there's a piece. Okay, now, 100 pieces, well, 99 pieces, okay? okay? Now, tell me, which of these pieces is most important? If you go to Pasava Puzzle, what do you go to? You go to the outside pieces? Or maybe you go to the color piece, or maybe you, you go to someone and you say, I, wanna, I can see a face here, I want to go to the face, right? What if the puzzle, these puzzle pieces began to talk to each other? And they would say, man, I just have, oh, black and purple. I have two colors on me. 
How important could I be? I'm not an outside piece. I don't have, I'm not a colorful piece. I'm just useless. I'll tell you what, every piece is important in this box. Because without the pieces, what do we have? An incomplete picture. Hey, the same thing holds true for the church. Each of us needs to do what only we're equipped to do and called to do. The thing I see to Moses is that God promises his presence. And when Moses thought his talents weren't good enough for what to do, the job God called him to do, God said, now go. Hey, listen, I, well, listen, I will help you speak. I'll teach you what to say. If God calls us to do something, and God's always urging us forward as his people, he's going to give us exactly what we need to accomplish the tasks he's asked us to do. It's we who need to be willing to put our gifts and abilities into play. Last year, I was having breakfast with a man who was going to be planning a Farsi-speaking church here in Chicagoland. And as we were talking, he had his Arabic Bible out. And we were looking at different passages, so he was doing his Arabic Bible. And I, and I, I showed myself to be a, a true American. As he was reading his Arabic Bible, it reads from right to left. I said, oh, your Bible's backwards. Well, maybe my Bible's backwards, right? Okay. But anyway, we were talking back and forth on this. And when we went to pay our bill, our waitress said, were you guys reading the Bible? I said, yes. She said, well, I'm a Christian, but my husband is Muslim. And here she said, it's really hard. She looked at, at, at James and said, are you from the Middle East? He said, well, yes, I am. And I once was a Muslim myself, but now I follow Jesus. Well, they had a great conversation together. It ended with her saying to him, hey, tell me how I can pray for my husband. Now, he could speak to her with authority because he knew exactly where she was. He could do what I could not do that day. As we left that morning, I said, I am so grateful we were here together today for this divine appointment because you did what I could never do. Thank you. See, guys, we don't have to compare our gifts with anybody else's. We're simply called to put into play the gifts that God's placed in our hands that we have to give. And it still comes back to surrender. Having a life that looks like this versus a life that looks like this. Now, it goes back to the third excuse Moses said. We have to surrender fear of the unknown. Because after God assured Moses he would help him speak well, Moses blurts out his final excuse. Here's what he says. Oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. In other words, I don't want to do it. I'm not passionate about this one. Now, hey, think of what would happen if your child comes to you and say, yeah, I know I'm supposed to clean my room, Mom, Dad, but I'm just not passionate about that at all. Yeah, exactly, okay? Now, we don't know for sure what was going through Moses' mind at this point in time. Maybe he knew how hard it was going to be, or maybe he was so comfortable where he was at. Maybe he thought his, his past, he'd murdered an Egyptian, was going to come back to haunt him. I, I just think it all boils down to he was afraid. He was afraid of what he was going to have to do. And I'll tell you what, when we get scared, avoidance sometimes is the path we choose. A year and a half ago, I met with a group of people in the central part of the state to talk about uh, starting a church. The man who had the vision for this was very passionate. He'd, he'd had some friends who were, who were maybe interested in this. He called, for, called me to come down and talk to them. He wanted confirmation and getting the green light for me about starting. So I spoke to people about the realities of starting a church. And as I talked, one of the people turned to me and said, man, this sounds like a lot of hard work. 
And I said, it is. It'll be the hardest work you ever do starting a church. Now, it's the most rewarding, but it's hard. So I gave them some things they need to think about and pray through. And I called the guy a couple weeks later and I said, anything happen? He said, no, nothing's happening. I said, okay. Called him a month later. He said, no, nothing's going to happen. He said, as, as, they, as they've talked amongst themselves, they realize it's going to be hard work. And they're more than willing to come to the church once it's up and started. But they're really not interested in doing all the stuff ahead of time. So it's not going to happen. Well, he's in our video training program, too. He's doing it a different way. And that's okay. That's okay. And I understand it. I understand it. We can't let fear get in the way of moving forward, though. Because it will if we let it. Moses was afraid, so he said, please send someone else to do it. It's not for me. And when he used this third excuse, God got mad. He said, what about your brother Aaron? The Levi, I know he can speak well. He's on his way to meet you already. His heart will be glad when he sees you. And God tells Moses, Aaron's going to stand up and speak for him. So you don't have to worry about speaking. You just need to tell him what I'm telling you to tell him. Basically, God says, Moses, you're going. Buckle up and let's go. And he sends Moses with these words. He said, I want you to take your staff in your hands so you can perform the miraculous signs I'm going to ask you to do. When God calls us, it's often going to be situations or places where we we get scared. And that's why we have to remember we never walk alone. God's always with us. He's always for us. We also have people beside us who can help us. That's what I love about the church. The church should be a family that helps. I saw that today already. People helping each other. And that's the way it works. We're not alone, guys. We have the Father who loves us, and we have people who care for us. We are stronger together. But you see, it's real easy to make excuses when God calls. That's why following the, the Father always begins with surrendering. Most of the time, surrendering what we are holding in our hands already. Now look at other stories in the Bible where God calls, called people, and it always involves surrender. It always involves using things they're familiar with that they know they can use for God. With David, it was a, sling, it was a stone in a sling. With a little boy, it was five loaves, five little biscuits and two sardines that he gave to Jesus, and Jesus then fed 5,000 people with it. There was a widow in, in the New Testament. She takes two pennies and puts them into the temple treasury, all the money she had to live on. And Jesus points her and says, that's what sacrifice looks like. We don't know what happened to her, but I believe God took care of her because I know what God's like. It comes down to surrender. And when, that, when that's the truth, my question is, what are you holding in your hand? That God's asking you to give up. Maybe it's a talent or ability he wants you to use for his glory. Maybe it's treasure that stands in the way of trusting him more completely. Or maybe it's time that you're holding on so tightly that he just wants you to sacrifice something to help somebody else. I battle selfishness all the time. And I realize selfishness stands in the way of surrender. And, and there are good things I, I have in my hand that I know I need to give 
So God can do what's better for me and through me. And that's why I go back to the initial statement. When God calls us to action, there's really only one response that makes sense, and that is surrender. So here's my challenge for you today. First of all, I want to encourage you over this next week, spend some time with the Father. Read your Bible. Look and see what God wants to tell you. Talk to Him in prayer. And just spend a little time. Spend a little time. See what happens. Because I believe the Father wants to communicate to us. He wants to help us. He wants to call us. We have to be ready to listen. Then I I gave you all a, a, a popsicle stick. That's, that's your staff today, okay? okay? So I want, I want you to put this somewhere. I want you to put this somewhere as a reminder of two things. Okay, you take that home with you. Remind, first of all, of the presence of God. I think every time Moses would have picked up that staff, he would have remembered a God who told him, hey, take the staff, remember I'm with you. So remember God's with you. But also, let it be a reminder of the fact that God wants us to use what's in our hands to make a difference. What do we need to surrender to the Father? So think about those two things as you put that somewhere this week. And then thirdly, when it comes time, look for somebody you can help. Do an act of surrender for someone. Maybe it's visiting someone who needs encouragement. Maybe it's buying groceries for someone who's in need that way. Volunteering. To, I don't know what God's going to ask you to do. But I'll tell you what, when you, when you feel something, when you hear something from the, from the Father, do it. Just do it. See what happens. See, Moses was so like us. And we're so like Moses at times. But God used him in spite of the excuses to do something amazing. Because Moses finally surrendered. Just as God will work through us when we surrender.